Welcome to the Talented Learning Show with John Lay, Episode 3. Today I interview Dr. Carl Kopp, world-renowned gamification and learning technology expert about learning games, gamification, simulations, and their business impact. You can find more of our content at TalentedLearning.com. Well, welcome to another episode of the Talented Learning Show podcast series with your host and independent tech analyst, John Lay. On this show, I interview the world's leading experts in extended enterprise solutions from a vendor, practitioner, and today from an educator perspective. Our guest today is Dr. Carl Kopp, one of the world's leading experts and innovators in game-based learning. Uh, Dr. Kopp's a full professor of instructional technology at Bloomsburg University. He's the director of Institute of Interactive Technologies, which uh, organizes or works with organizations to create uh, interactive instructional instruction, including games, gamification solutions, and simulations. Uh, Dr. Kopp's a speaker at uh, TEDx, uh, every uh, show it seems like around the world I see your smiling face on the uh, on, on the pre-shows you're, you're probably the closest thing to a, a rock star in uh, the learning technology industry so welcome uh, Dr. Kopp it's great to have you on the show right thanks John yeah it's great to be here yeah I always say uh, unfortunately though nobody buys the t-shirts right <laughs> like at a concert there's nobody out selling t-shirts well have you tried have you tried? <laughs> I bet you could sell a thousand of them. Sell a thousand. <laughs> All right. Well, well. Yeah. Hey, as uh, as you know, Doctor Cop, our our audience is is broad around uh, extended enterprise learning technology, which really means anything in the corporate space of learning, not just your employees, but also customers and partners, also as well as all those organizations that sell. Uh, and provide educational content, continuing educational content, which includes for-profit organizations and associations. But all of those audiences are our audiences, and they're all struggling with uh, creating better content, more engaging content, uh, being able to justify the price for their content. And, and so we're really excited to have you uh, on the show today to share your expertise uh, around game-based learning and, and uh, gamification solutions and simulations. Maybe we should just start there. and. You know, could you give us an overview uh, of uh, the sector of the, the instructional world that you research, and you know what what uh, all those things actually mean? Yeah, sure. So, first of all, I think um, you know if you look at extended organizations, uh, professional associations, looking at people who are you know selling or, or reselling content to members or members like that. Uh, fortunately, I think gamification and game-based learning is the perfect opportunity because you've got to find ways to engage people and, and pull them in. So I, I think there's a huge opportunity to leverage the elements of gamification, everything from you know micro-badging, uh, micro-credentialing and badging all the way up to um, you know uh, using uh, points to help people gain loyalty and, and all that kind of good stuff. But I, I tend to look at my um, I look at three areas of the learning and development space uh, through the game and gamification lens. So the first is game-based learning, using games to uh, educate folks. And I, I differentiate gamification from game-based learning in that game-based learning is um, a self-contained unit. So you basically have a very discrete beginning, middle, and end. You have a game space where you play the game. It's all about the game and what happens in that game area and game space. 
and when the game's over, you're done and, and you can move on. Gamification, on the other hand, is using game elements to in non-game environments to extend the engagement. So for example, you might have an app that might give you some messages and you might go on the message and answer some questions related to, to the field that you happen to be working in, you get some points and you go back to work a little bit later, maybe you get another message or a little bit later you get uh, a task that you need to do, a behaviorally focused task or something along those lines. So that can kind of continue outside of the game space and happens kind of in your normal um, area. And then, so there, that's game-based learning, gamification. And I also think gamification needs to move beyond, you know, a lot of times we talk about points, badges, and leaderboards, which are pretty visible, but really what makes games engaging are things like feedback loops, the freedom to fail, the opportunity for exploration, the sense of mystery and open loop, and those types of things really kind of pull people into your content so that you can go beyond kind of points and and badges. But the third area that, that I look at is simulation, which is really kind of a deeper element than um, the other two. And simulation tends to be more of a realistic bent. Games often have a fantasy type of um, element in them. Simulations tend to not to, although they do have some game elements like timing and things like that. But we just did a really fascinating project with uh, a large um, biotech company and created a sales simulation and at the end of the day it increased sales by 12%. So we were pretty uh, psyched about uh, that type of intervention. So there's lots of opportunities for organizations to use games, gamification, simulations to pull both their members in and engage them but also to really add value to the members and help the members see value in the organization. Wow, that's really interesting. That, that's really interesting. Could you, you give some examples of of uh, some simulations uh, that that you've seen in the marketplace? What does that exactly mean? Sure. So, um, one simulation that we've seen that w that was uh, really successful was a, uh, uh, in this particular case, it was a call center simulation. So they were teaching call center folks how to handle a lot of incoming calls and work with incoming calls and handle kind of the stress of that particular job because, uh, as you know, uh, call centers have a lot of stress, a lot of things to deal with. So they actually had, um, in this particular instance, there were recorded uh, phone calls and the learner actually made a choice based on um, what they wanted to do with the phone call and then they would get um, a recorded message as if the person was answering them or responding to them. So they kind of branched through that. And the neat thing about that was because it's a simulation and it's online, we could record every decision point made by that learner. Cool. So what we were able to do was look at the decision points and for each decision point where they did it, we had a rubric. So we had good, better, best. And then we could, at the end of the call, say, okay, here's where you did you know, the best answer. Here's where you did a good answer. Here's an answer that was okay, but you really shouldn't have done it. Um, because there's a better response here. So what it allows you to do is, is have a diagnostic tool either as a, as a manager or in some cases built into the system itself that gives you that feedback. And what a lot of people kind of miss about online simulations uh, and online learning in general, but now it's starting to get a little bit better, is the level of analytics that you can do. And 
but it's not just doing the analytics, but it's having to tie the analytics back to remediation. So one of the things that I talk about when, when we talk about creating instruction and gamifying it, whether it's a game or simulation, is to do a little error diagnosis. Like why do people make mistakes? What are they making a mistake of omission or commission? Is it a mistake of knowledge? Is it a mistake of uh, degree? And if you can diagnose what those mistakes are, and in a call center, for example, you're doing a lot of data collection, you can do that, but it, you can expand that. So if you're uh, in the field of surgery or diagnosing people that uh, have illnesses, if you know, hmm, th these are the most common misdiagnosis and here's why, then you could lead learners down that path, give them that aha moment, which really kind of only a simulation or, or, or a game can kind of do in a safe environment and really use that as teachable moments. Because we know adult learners learn best when they know they don't know something. So what a simulation or a game does is points out to the learner, you don't know that. And you're like, ah, okay. It's especially important when you work with high-powered professions. You know, I always joke about, you know, nobody knows more um, about any topic in the world than a physician, right? <laughs> they know everything, so how can they, you know, learn anything? The only exception would be faculty members at universities who know even more than, <laughs> you know, so sometimes it's hard to, it's hard to work with a certain population, but if you let that population know, hey, you don't know this, um, it does make them kind of sit up and, and pay more attention. So that, that's an example of simulation. Uh, as I said, sales simulation, we've used that. We've actually done kind of a simulation game um, uh, that we've created called Zombie Sales Apocalypse, which is a sales <laughs> simulation, which is a lot of fun. You have to sell your product to uh, the client before the client becomes a zombie. Meanwhile, everybody else in the office is zombies and they're chasing you. And there's some really nice, what we've done is break the, break the sales model into its uh, corresponding pieces and then based on how you make your decision in that um, game, we can analyze that against what the sales model is and we can spot weaknesses in particular areas of the sales model. So instead of having to teach, you know, give remediation for the entire sales model, if you know, like openings really well, you nailed openings, but you didn't nail closings, then the remediation or instruction is around closing. So by using games and simulations and even gamification, you can start to create adaptive instruction, which is more efficient and um, more effective than trying to teach everything to everybody uh, universally. You know, one size doesn't fit all in hats and it doesn't work for learning either. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. You know, in extended enterprise in general, we do a lot of measurement. Everything is, is based on measurement, but it, it always goes to uh, the fiscal side of things. You know, you could take a, mm -hmm. any audience and say, you know, are they trained or not trained or certified or not certified? And, and then tie that or, or compare that with actual sales performance or calls to uh, customer centers, uh, things like that. And it becomes really easy to uh, determine uh, the effectiveness of your education. You mentioned 12% uh, increase in, in sales or productivity uh, in your scenario. I'm curious how you go from uh, the data that you're collecting, uh, the data you're collecting, you know, from within the learning experience uh, to the actual 12%. Could you take us through the logic of, of how you tie those together in your world? Yeah, yeah, this was a, this was a really cool uh, project because um, it was a, it was an in-person role play. 
and they wanted the in-person role play to uh, scale. And it wouldn't scale because it was a really elaborate role play. They had like five people involved. They had observers involved. They had a rubric involved, all that kind of stuff. So um, we were fortunate in the fact that since it was a sales organization, they have been measuring uh, sales all along. And so we had a baseline, what the sales numbers were prior to the training. And kind of the unfortunate slash unfortunate thing is a lot of times uh, training results get conflated with, you know, a spiff or, you know, some kind of uh, offering. But as we were developing it, they actually offered a spiff. And the spiff continued even after we um, launched the training. So the effects of the spiff were already calculated into our baseline numbers. So we collected baseline numbers on all the sales reps. You know, what were their numbers over, um, I think, a three-month period. And then we did the uh, intervention. And then after the intervention, we measured what the sales were after they had uh, been using um, the simulation. And so we were able to track the delta between not having it, any of that training, and using the simulation training. And the really neat thing was, uh, so that was the quantitative aspect of it. But then we also looked at the qualitative aspect of it. Because a lot of times, if you just look at numbers, you can get lost in the number, and they can be manipulated, and, and you can make assumptions and things like that. Um, uh, so what we did was we said, you know, what were the, what were the really, like, the learning things? And one of the things that they indicated was, in the simulation, we made you visit, like, uh, six different doctors to figure out what the right configuration was for the medical device. And a lot of the sales reps said, you know, I wasn't going to six different doctors. I was going to two, making my recommendation, and then it wasn't getting through the other ones or whatever. And, and it's so interesting because in the training material, they were told, go to six, you know, go to these types of doctors, physicians, talk to them, and then that will help you make your sale. But viscerally living through it in the simulation where if they didn't get it right, they had to go back to the beginning and they had to restart over again and they had to, so we did a little bit of repetition, we did a little bit of frustration, which is okay. Uh, we've gotten away from a lot of people like, uh, we don't think the learner should be frustrated, it should be really, really simple. But if you think about it, your best learning probably came after struggle or after difficulty getting something, and then when you get it after the difficulty, you've got it like forever. If you get it easily, you may forget it or it might not be a big deal. So we actually built struggle into that. But, but what we basically do is we do a baseline of what the pre-intervention happens to be, then we do the intervention, the, the, the simulation, and then we do a post-measurement of that intervention. And that's, that's how we can get our numbers. Sometimes we can use a control group. In this particular example, we didn't have a control group um, because the organization just kind of kind of wanted to, to, you know, get this in, see if it worked, and then uh, move on and make decisions about using simulations for other product lines. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sales is, is such a great place to extend that measurement out because it's so relevant and and. and it, the impact is so important to an organization that it's easy to see the that 12 percent you know take that the next step of the actual dollar value of what that is and and that would of course dwarf any development or design cost to create that content and so you can you know 
perpetuate the cycle by building better and better content when you tie to the actual numbers of of improvement of your organization and, and so that's that's a, a key ticket there so all that sounds great uh, it, in fact it sounds too great uh, Tom, <laughs> that it's you know a bit pretty expensive how to I, I know you I haven't told the audience yet but you're the author or co-author of, of probably about seven or seven or eight books now eight books I yeah, think yeah and, and, yep. and yep. Re recently you co-authored a book with uh, Sharon Bowler uh, entitled uh, Play to Learn, Everything You Need to Know About Designing Effective uh, Learning Games, uh, where you, I think, talk about, uh, or you do talk about uh, putting learning systems in place. You know, how, how does somebody get started? How does an organization that's training uh, their external sales, their, their channel partners, or their customers, mm -hmm. or you know, how, how do you get started about putting an effective uh, strategy in place that, that's more holistic? I imagine that you just don't want to go and just start trying to do a willy-nilly, but you want to plan this right. out with some effectiveness. How do you go about that and, and uh, tell us about yeah, that. that? Right. Yeah, that's, that's a good question. So um, one of the very first things we look at is what behaviors you want to drive or change. So sometimes people will go to a conference or read a book or read an article and go, oh my gosh, gamification sounds really cool. Let's do it. And I'm like, well, why? Well, because, you know, it would be fun for the learners or they'd be engaged or whatever. And I always say, you know, if you really want your learners to have fun, give them the day off, right? But what we really want, what we really want is to engage them, and we want to figure out what would motivate or engage them. So first thing to look at is what behavior change do you want to drive, and how can you impact that? And then I always say, let's look at some non-gamification or game-based approaches. Have any of those been tried? Do any of those work? Why or why not? And so that way we, and even if, even if, um, some haven't been tried, but you still want to go to gamification, that's okay, but you need to think through that process so that you're not just chasing, you know, squirrels, that you're really having a business need that you're trying to address. So once you do that, then you've got to figure out what level of engagement and how often the learner can be engaged. So for example, if you have a retail associate, sometimes they could do something, you know, on the floor. If you have a physician, their days are, are pretty packed, so it's going to either be in the morning or kind of in the evening, maybe at lunchtime if you're lucky. And then you want to figure out, do we want peers involved, right? So do we want to compare each learner to the peers or do we want to compare them to themselves? And actually having a, a gamified approach where somebody measures their success against their own standards and their own performance in the past can be pretty effective from a learning and a motivating perspective, kind of like Fitbit, right? Hey, I ran a mile yesterday, today I'm going to run 1.5 miles. So um, that gives you that sense of accomplishment and sense of mastery. So that becomes important to kind of work that in. And then I always look at what, what we call the core dynamic, which is basically if you think of a game, the core dynamic is how, how you win the game. So in like Mario Kart, the core dynamic is race to the finish because you're trying to race to the finish. In chess, for example, the core dynamic is outwitting your opponent. So it's kind of, you know, uh, application of strategy. So we want to see if there are core dynamics that align with what the learner has to do on a regular basis. So, for example, working with uh, a company in there, their channel partners uh, at um, service centers, and they're trying to uh, maximize the scheduling for the day. So they're sorting and prioritizing 
uh, appointments to figure out, you know, how would we maximize the appointment, how do we take care of our, you know, number one customers, that kind of thing. So in that case, we wanted the gamification elements to be around prioritization and sorting. So you can kind of reward someone if they sort correctly, prioritize correctly, and then apply those same concepts to actually using the software to schedule and prioritize, you know, gold customers versus platinum customers and those kind of things. Mm -hmm. So you really want to make sure that the dynamics kind of match it. And then the nice thing is almost all gamification platform, any kind of gamification platform that you choose or pick um, has you know, as to your point, really robust analytics on the back end. I can see if the learners got, you know, how many learners got this question right, how many learners attempted this, how many learners did that, and be prepared to tweak and to modify the implementation. A lot of times in learning and development, we think, oh, once we implement, like, the LMS, we're done. It's good. We'll just sit back and collect the data and let the LMS do its thing. But really, what we need to do is make adjustments in real time and continually monitor what's happening. And the nice thing about, you know, the modern uh, platforms is that they give you access to that, sometimes it's too much data, but they give you access to that data, and if you intelligently interpret what it's doing, you can modify it. And then the last thing I'll say is always, you know, this is amazing, it's like 2018, and I don't know how many times I run into, like, uh, this advice has been out there since, the, I think, the, the, the beginning of the time, right? Do a pilot test first before you launch it to everybody. Like, I can't tell how many people, like, how many lesson learned slides I've seen that said do a pilot test first. I'm like, okay, we're not really learning that lesson then because everybody's making the same mistake. But uh, piloting works really well because people, you know, people are smart and clever and they will, they will game the gamification system. And if you know how they're going to game it, and if you have a sense of what they're going to do, you can anticipate it, you can block it, you can even leverage it. You know, uh, we've had, we had a system where we actually wanted people to send the, the quote-unquote cheat codes to each other because the cheat codes were answers on how to address client needs, right? So they were actually having these conversations about addressing client needs. They thought they were, you know, gaming the system, but we actually wanted them to have those conversations with their peers. So that was kind of a, a way that we accomplished that. So wow. you need to be purposeful about it, yeah, and you need, to, you need to make sure that the design actually is accomplishing what your, what your out, outcomes are. Wow staying one step ahead of the cheaters to use their cheating <laughs> to enhance their learning. That's, uh, that's kind yeah. of a, a, a circle logic that's uh, quite brilliant. <laughs> just think, you know, for, for organizations that are, that are getting started in this, in addition to you know, reading some of your books and, and getting the grounding that way, it, is it more important or equally important or, from a technology perspective to look at the, the LMS or the, the learning platform, or is it more important to start, you know, starting small and with the pilot, as you say, is it more important to do it from an authoring tool standpoint, or is there another, another uh, class of tools out there that uh, learners need to become familiar with to, to start using this type of strategies in, in their online learning? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna step back and then I'm gonna answer that question. So. One of the first things that we talk about in the book that we wrote is in order to, to think about this, you have to gain literacy. So, you know, we have English literacy, so you can put together a, a memo when you need, or an email when you need to, or a paper or a proposal or whatever, because you're very literate in terms of, uh, when, 
and comes to games, most people are not that literate. Sure, they play Monopoly. Sure, maybe they played Stratego, but that's it. Like they have a very narrow uh, scope of of game mechanics, core dynamics, game elements. So the first thing we always suggest is play lots of different kind of games, games that you don't even like, to get a sense of what are dynamics, what are mechanics, how does that work. A lot of the European games like Catan, uh, Pandemic is a good game, Forbidden Island, where they have like actions per move and things like that to, to think about that. So then when it comes to the technology, a lot of LMSs have implemented points, badges, and leaderboards in one way or another. The problem is a lot of the LMSs have bolted on that capability, so it's very limited, and it's not very tied to individual pieces of content. Right? You pass a course, maybe you get a badge or something like that, or maybe you do uh, on a quiz or whatever. So, so it's not a very robust uh, version of gamification. There are then pure gamification platforms that uh, allow you to add content. Usually they use a micro-learning approach, so it's not deep dive into content but it allows you to add content and information there. And then it has a little bit more robust reporting system and um, element system. There are some that are built from the ground up to be an LMS that has been gamified, few, few of those. And then tools like um, you know, Captivate, Lectora, Storyline, iSpring have elements that allow you to add gamification uh, um, points and those kind of things to the content itself. I divide gamification actually into two types. I think there's what I call structural gamification, which is when there's like points, badges, leaderboard. There's a game structure around the content, but the content doesn't change at all. Yeah. It kind of stays the same. Or content gamification, where the content changes to be more game-like. So for example, rather than starting with learning objectives, you start with the challenge to the learner. And the learner has to overcome that challenge. And then once they overcome that challenge, you kind of instruct them as you go along. Or you're using um, story, or you're using those kind of elements to actually change the content from the typical, um, you know, the typical courses, learning objectives, terminology, model that you're using process and then maybe there's a maybe there's a case study or application at the end why not change it around why not have them click in the game you do your application first right you you try this out and you see if you know it or not like when you play madden you don't you know football uh on the um playstation or whatever you don't you don't go through all the drills to get your football player up and ready to go. You just start playing and you figure out, oh, I can't do that. Or, oh, I need to know how to throw this kind of pass. And then, because you have that need to know, you find out. But in training, we like tell you, tell you, tell you in case you need to know this, here's what you do, et cetera. And we don't let people apply it and see where their mistakes are. So we need to do that. Wow. That's interesting. What a, what a great uh, specialty you carved out to always focus uh, not only on learning, but on uh, on fun aspect of that. That's uh, what a special. It has been, yeah. Somebody <laughs> asked me the other day, they're like, I just have one question for you. I'm like, what? And they go, do you write games off on your taxes? And I say, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. I do. I do travel all around the world. What do you, what do you have coming up? Uh, I do. Uh, so, um, so, um, I'm going to be actually in April at the, um, ASAE, um, 
XDP event. Cool. So that's that's a great event where they get a lot of people from associations together, and um, I'm going to be talking about. There's a whole gamification track, and I'm going to be talking about how. Um, Gamification can be used with associations both at the meetings, before the meetings, um, during the meetings, after the meetings, and you know to, to engage at a, at a more uh, deeper and me meaningful level. So that'll be one. And then I am going to be uh, in Brazil sometime in the fall. Right. Uh, I think Sao Paulo. I'm talking about that. And that, and I'm I'm debating right now. I have an invitation to go to Taiwan in May, <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out if I. If I can squeeze that in or not. I bet you can. I bet you can if you try. I'd like to, yeah. I'd like to. Wow. Good for you. Good for you. That's that's fantastic going all around the world. Uh, I guess uh, uh, last question, um, uh, you know, last question for, uh, you know, as you're looking at or anybody's looking at, uh, you know, getting started here for, uh, you know, for, for the next fiscal year or even this fiscal year, What's the one thing that you can recommend they, they do here to, to, I guess, either get up to speed or what's the best thing they should do, Dr. Cobb? Right, yeah. So I'm going to – a couple things. So one, I think uh, they should play some games to find out about it because I've had people in my workshops and they want to do gamification and they're like, yeah, I don't like your play games, but my boss told me I had to be here. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm going to write that project off as a failure like right now. Um, and then the, the other thing I, I would explore, there's lots of different approaches to gamification. So, you know, just like Tic-Tac-Toe is a game and so is Halo 3, they're games but very, very different. So uh, I would say invest a little bit of time of poking around at some of the uh, gamification platforms. They all approach it a little bit differently. They've all got demos or videos out there that you can watch and that you can check out. And they all have things to think about as you go through um, their version of gamification. So I would say take some go, go through that and then think about what gamification elements would work in your organization and kind of for your you know problem or need or needle that you're trying to move so um take play some games analyze the games think about what works what doesn't work then start looking around and seeing what kind of gamification platforms are out there because there's a ton just pick four or five you don't have to know all of them just pick a few and then think about okay well how can i apply this to my learning need or my organization's need or my channel need or whatever, figure that out and then uh, that will be a really good jumping off point for going from there. And of course, you know, if you I, I've got lynda.com courses about gamification if you want to know more. I've got, as you said, like six or seven books or seven or eight books or I, you know, I'm lost count. But, you know, books that kind of provide some assistance in that area as well. Um, I've got, if you don't want to, you know, uh, Go to ATD's website. I got a lot. Of art. I actually have a simulation article there uh, about the simulation project that we did. So that that's on there. Um, I just did um, some stuff on um, uh, uh, game top ten gamification things. So there's a lot. There's a bunch of stuff out there. If you look, uh, you can start to build what you want. And then, you know, if you if you need to talk to somebody who's a gamification professional, you know, go ahead and and, and do that. You know, maybe even just to verify what you've done. And then, you know, start with the pilot and go from there. Wow. Great advice. Great advice. Thank you. Well, that's, well, that's it, everyone. Uh, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Talented Learning Show. Dr. Kopp, thanks very much for educating us and sharing your experience and making it fun. Uh, appreciate that very much. You can access all of 
uh, Dr. Kopp's resources and publications at carlkopp.com and all of Talented Learning's podcasts, blogs, webinars, uh, papers, and extended enterprise learning technology information at talentedlearning.com. Have a great day, everyone, and we'll see you next time.